here for all Rose can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us I am Kate Willett And I'm Julia Clare And... How's your core, Julia? What are you doing? <laughs> um, my core is going strong. Uh, what am I doing? Oh, we're. I, I was just telling Kate this that we're taking in a, a neighbor's cat tomorrow, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I love cats, and one time I made people. I asked people on Twitter to send me pictures of their cats because I was sad, and like 250 people replied. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, I asked for a book recommendation. It was the same thing. It was just oh, like, yeah. I got like 400 replies and people were just like, oh my God, anything that's not COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been, I haven't, been, I like haven't been able to read. I don't know. Like, I feel like my brain is atrophying. I, I want to read more and I just like can't, my concentration is shot. Yeah, it's I haven't read anything. Um, I have been doing some writing. I'm trying to finish up this like book that I've been working on this audio book. And yeah. Uh, yeah, but I no, I definitely haven't been reading. I was thinking about reading uh, something because today was like the realization kind of that like I, I do really need to like kind of see if I can pull it together and give myself a little structure in the quarantine, yeah. like see if I can stop going to bed at five and waking up at noon or whatever i mean (laughs) yeah i mean look i'm lucky to be able to to be in my house most of the time but i mean it can get like so fucking depressing you know it's just like yeah eh, yeah it's really uh it's overwhelming um but uh yeah i was thinking i really need to start doing some exercise for my own mental health uh that'll hopefully help a little bit i don't know it's crazy it's like (laughs) <laughs> I've been looking at Twitter too much as usual and I feel like there's some comedians that are just being so prolific in the quarantine and like I want that to be me but I don't know if yeah. it's going to be. I'm I'm sad, you know. Yeah, I feel I think that that is a uh a feeling that a lot of us are experiencing right now in comedy. Like my roommate is also a comedian. She's a a sketch comic and she feels the same she feels the same way she like it's this weird pressure to be funny and be producing funny content in the least funny time since like 9-11 <laughs> oh yeah I mean you know I think this might be this might be worse than 911. Uh the corn the this the corona outbreak might be our 911. I think but- well yeah, I, I I was uh I really don't I, I have a, a very fleeting memory of the day itself. Uh I was like 9 I think and Wow, cool brag. You're than me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I just like I don't I remember the day itself and I remember seeing a lot. I remember seeing the like the very visible patriotism slash nationalism after that all the time. But certainly it didn't feel like this. It didn't because this. Yeah, this is like if the day after 9-11 were extended for three months. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the patriotism and, you know, I think after 9-11, there was a sentiment uh, that was, you know, pervasive and dangerous that like America is the greatest country in the world. We're number one. And uh, I think during COVID-19, you, you don't see too much of that because it's it's pretty clear we're not the greatest country in the world. It's it, it could it <laughs> could not have been made more clear. This, yeah, we are uh, number one in coronavirus cases. Corona, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and coronavirus deaths. Um, uh, and, absolutely, and total uh, amounts of uh, people who have the virus. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we're number one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my my boyfriend. Um, sorry, I know you hate to see it. Not because you hate <laughs> me having a boyfriend, but you know, it, 
I, I can understand your feelings about me uh, dating a reply guy, especially after all the work that we have put into shaming <laughs> reply guys. Uh, we've done so much. So. We've, we've done so much to rehabilit- rehabilitate the community. But yeah. But go on, Kate. He's thriving in the core. He loves it. <laughs> he wakes up every day. He's read like maybe um, seven books so far. Uh, he has like written all this shit. You know, it's just like, I mean, he's just, he's really being productive. And I think he, he loves it. He says the core has made him into his best self. Um, wow. God and part bless. of me feels like that is uh, sick and that I should, <laughs> yeah, that is really fucked <laughs> that up. I should break up with him, but I don't think <laughs> that I'm going to be able to find someone new now. So I'm, <laughs> I need to just appreciate it and try, yeah. try, try to see if I can absorb some of that positive core energy. I yeah. love it. I think I also think that that might be the first time that you've referred to him as your boyfriend on the pod. I think before it was just uh, the guy I'm dating, and now he is your boyfriend. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I don't think he was my boyfriend until uh, recently. You know, but I, I think a couple weeks into the core, we decided to make it official. Uh, we're like, well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, if we are uh, going to be spending twenty four seven together. Um, in a relationship where, uh, you know, our mortality is ever present, you know, mm-hmm. we might as well just take the leap, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be an adjustment in a post-core world, you know? Are, are we <laughs> are we compatible? I hope so. But <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about, like, what you want to do when all of this is over? Like, like tangible, short-term, long-term things, like, What's the first thing you do when when uh, Cuomo says we can we can get out of here? I mean, I think it's going to be a really slow like, you know, I think it's going to be a very slow coming back to normal ish. You know, Uh, I think that like. I think that the first lifting of the restrictions, which, you know, could potentially be this summer, could maybe be a lot longer than that. I think it'll be allowed. It'll be like okay, you're now allowed to see like a friend or two in your home. You know, it's not going to be like from complete isolation to like, let's all go out and party at a bar. Um, And I think personally, I think it'll be a lot longer than that until, uh, you know, stand up is is back. So, you know, because stand up is a lot of people in a small space. And I think we'll be allowed to kind of see, you know, a few people here and there way before we're allowed to kind of mingle in these big groups. Right. Okay. But say we get to the point where everything is like fully operational again, like every, the life in New York is up and running again. What's the first thing you want to do? Honestly, at this point, I just want to do as many sets as possible. I know that that's like a, a sick and weird answer, but I miss stand up the most out of anything. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, I would like to, you know, part of me wants to take a vacation and like go somewhere else, but I don't even feel like taking a relaxing vacation somewhere. I feel like going to like another place where there's stand up and then doing stand up there. I just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was doing like, three or four sets a night a lot of the time and you know it's just so i don't know like that was that was what i relied on for my kind of like emotional balance is like that kind of creative expression every day and yeah i think i just want to do as many sets as possible how about you i don't know i mean i think like in the in the sort of like immediacy of everything like if at whatever point everything was was up and running again i think i would just like i would want to see my friends i would want to do comedy and i would want to i don't i I miss i don't know i like i miss seeing strangers (laughs) like miss interacting with strangers i miss like commiserating with people on the subway yeah uh, yeah i don't i don't know part of me is like like i've been kind of thinking about lots of different options you know like let's say we're here in quarantine for i don't know let's say it's gonna be a year something you know or the bulk of a year a little bit longer i like i could definitely see myself leaving new york and wanting to move somewhere cheaper at some point you know like 
I mean, once it's safe, don't yell at me. Don't at me. I would not bring the virus to your small town. Uh, I'm talking about down the line once there's like, you know, safety measures and testing and stuff like that. But I don't know. Like part of me is just like, if this is uh, if this is New York, then, you know, why am I paying a bajillion dollars to live here? It's so expensive, you know? it really is. Um, yeah, that's why I my I, I have a very as everyone does. I have a very small uh, little apartment. Uh, I have two roommates, and our rent is like pretty low. Uh, and that's why I'm like, well, I can only live here if I live in New York because it is it's the only way that I can afford to keep living here. But oh, I forgot I, I forgot to mention this. Um, some very stupid and sad news. Uh, the outline, uh, shuttered, uh, which was a, a very good online publication. It laid off everybody, all of their writers and editors. I saw, and I saw some of them found out about it on Twitter, which sucks so bad. Yep. Um, and that's another instance we've talked about it before, uh, where like a private equity firm, owned the publication and they decided it wasn't profitable enough so they just decided to lay everybody off um yeah and they had some really good people there shuja hater brandy jensen brandy i love the outline yeah me too um yeah really really sucks but there's like what are we moving towards the fact like four publications in america <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just—I uh, don't know. Matt Taibbi quit Rolling Stone, and he says he's putting all of his work on Substack now. I don't know if maybe we'll start to see more journalists doing like kind of like subscription-based journalism. But uh, yeah, I mean, is that what Substack is? It, it, it's subscriptions, I buying think, subscriptions to people's work. Um, I think it. I don't know. There might be a way for stuff to be free. Definitely some of the stuff is free on there, but I know he has like his last book on there. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know. But then, you know, then that's, you know, really dangerous. Not what he's doing, but like, let's say that it was all kind of like subscribing to individual journalists. Like, obviously, we want the the public to be informed. So, you know, can't have that. Yeah. Uh, exclusively. I don't know. Man, I've been... The New York Times and the Washington Post, uh, this is like the first time I've uh, re-engaged with either of those two <laughs> publications in quite some time because I just like, I don't know, I, I just, uh, I get a lot of my news from Twitter uh, and a lot of the like op-eds in, you know, New York Times and Washington Post are just so, so bad. It's like very rare that they have um, anything that I want to oh, read. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, the op-ed section is a black hole. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's been pretty basic as fuck lately, too. Like, with, I mean, there's so many things that they're kind of not talking about with the pandemic, but, you know, I feel like there's like the Republican take, which is like, we can't have the economy closed forever. Like, yeah, no shit, duh. You know, like, none thank of you us so, want thank you, thank you so much, David Brooks. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like the, you know, kind of liberal take, which is like, oh, you know, uh, people are really suffering. And it's like, yeah, also, duh. And of course, we care about that, too. But, you know, it's like you guys have spent, uh, you know, a couple of years, four years, five years now trashing Bernie Sanders. So it's like, I don't know, you know, uh, at this point, a lot of a lot of his campaign money is going towards coronavirus relief. Um I mean, I don't know. It's just it's Joe Biden is such a bad nominee. So bad. <sighs> yeah, that's why he's been having uh, he's been having his wife, Dr. Jill, really uh, take the lead in a lot of interviews just because he's there fucking with his head full of cotton balls. I uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's really I mean, we still haven't voted here in New York. It's yeah. Uh, and we like even if coronavirus had never happened, we would not be voting until the end of this month. I, I yeah. mean, I hate I fucking hate the primary system so much anyways. Yeah, it, it should is, be all on the same day. It should be all on the same day. All vote by mail or online. I don't see why not. I mean, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I love I love an in-person vote, but 
but well, you, yeah, should, vote- you can do that if you want to maybe but like yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. just but, to be more widely accessible yeah vote by mail is like is is uh is universally beloved by those who have it um but yeah it's uh it's it is really and you know god bless bernie every email i get from him is not donate to my campaign it's like donate to these charities and yeah i just don't bernie is too good for america (laughs) yeah um, we don't we don't deserve his love (laughs) yeah i mean it's like it's weird that like the victory laps that like these centrists are doing um are you know like but like the idea of like yeah amazing we won we're going into this primary with somebody who is completely uh incoherent most of the time um trump is in some cases running to his left on healthcare. you know he's talked about potentially expanding medicare to uninsured folks i don't know if he'll actually do it but joe biden is still out there saying like we don't need medicare for all um i mean trump's not advocating medicare for all or anything like that but you know i mean like hillary clinton uh was tweeting the other day about how we need to open the exchanges back up okay you know i guess there's some people that that could benefit you know like why not in the short term babe you gotta you gotta stop tweeting hill you gotta (laughs) it's like like okay if you make like if you make like 40 something thousand dollars a year in new york okay your premium you don't qualify for any or very much assistance at all your premium is uh over four hundred dollars that's like you know if you're in your like 30s the older you get the higher it is um you know next year the premiums are going to be going up like 40 percent insurance companies have already talked about this i I read this uh, in an article from uh, wendell potter who's that guy that used to be a health insurance executive that has like gone rogue and uh, become a huge medicare for all advocate i like his twitter a lot um but uh, insurance companies are planning like a 40% increase in premiums for next year. So what that's like, you know, like for, you know, 700 bucks per an individual a month, like $700 for somebody who makes like freaking, you know, 40 or $50,000 a year. That's like, that's a, an impossible amount of money to come up with. There's no way. And that's like for insurance with an $8,000 deductible. Yeah. I mean, there's... I think we've seen this over and over again is that there is no bottom to the kind of depravity that the uh, health insurance industry uh, will traverse. And oh, yeah, it's it's disgusting. Like, I just don't. And the only explanation I could think of for doing something like like that at a time like this, raising premiums by that much um, which, by the way, premiums didn't even used to exist. Uh, like, it, very rarely did the health plans even have premiums a few decades ago. Um, but now most of them do. Um, but the only explanation I can have, uh, I can think of for raising them at this time is that they feel very threatened by the groundswell movement for Medicare for All. And this is their, like, dying star i mean i wish i could say that that was i wish i could say that i agreed with you and i mean that's definitely the most optimistic uh interpretation that i would love to be but i you know i I would love to think but i really think that you know it's just because they are you know actually spending so much more money caring for people now they're actually having to provide uh provide care provide care the thing that they're uh theoretically getting paid to do and you know now that they're having to do it for so many more people than their actuaries predicted, it's like they, you know, they have to raise their premiums so they can make as much profit as possible. It is, it's so gross. But it's, it, this is what is so frustrating to me, and I'm sure you as well, is that like now it's more clear than ever that Medicare for all would save the country money. Oh, absolutely. And um, give the and, country and better health are, outcomes yeah. too. And people are still so, the people in in power, the people in charge are still so vehemently opposed to it. It's solely to line their own pockets. That's it. Yeah. I mean, 
like I definitely get that, like with, you know, the politicians who are funded by the insurance industry, uh, like Joe Biden, you know, or people that are really, um, you know, just kind of truly political centrists uh, that, you know, have a lot of money, like, you know, Hillary Clinton or something like that. But I mean, like the kind of, uh, you know, your sort of uh, regular middle class voter or even like working class voter. It's it's so weird to me that people still oppose Medicare for all. I just I I have to think that people have just been fed a lot of lies about it. I don't know. Like, that's the only explanation to me. And it's not that people like these people are not stupid who it's like they've just been fed misinformation for a long time. And it takes a it, it takes a lot to unravel that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay, one one last question before before we get to our interview. Have you is there anything that you've been like consuming right now that has like whether it's like a book or a show or a movie anything like that that has like brought you joy um, in the last in the last week i i've been watching like fucked up movies um I, oh god this was I, no, a bad question no i like i watched like i watched like contagion um yeah yeah and it was like i think i might have talked about this on the podcast already uh if so sorry but it was like kind of relaxing to envision a world in which the government responded appropriately <laughs> to a pandemic um yeah. uh you know um but no i wouldn't really say that i've been consuming anything that's like healthy i have been really oh you know i will recommend something that helped me uh the podcast useful idiots Katie Halper's podcast um, with Matt Taibbi. They had a really great episode with this uh, Dr. Johan Hari, I think is his name. And he was talking about managing anxiety during the pandemic. And he was talking about this thing that I've been feeling too, which is that, um, you know, there's a lot of the discourse about how to manage your anxiety during the pandemic is like a very individual you know it's very like okay here's some tips for your self-care do a zoom call you know make sure that you take a walk or whatever and yeah that stuff helps i don't uh not think that people should do that but a lot of the anxiety um could be solved with you know society-wide solutions the government giving people money you know if people were not worried about how they were going to pay their rent right now um and we had like you know rent canceled UBI, like that would do so much for people. And this kind of putting all of the burden for um, mental health on each of us is, I actually think that uh, it makes it worse. And it's, it's sort of like, for me, it's more useful to acknowledge that like, the reason that I feel fucked up is because things are pretty fucked up. So I don't know. I found that interview really comforting. How about you? <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. Kate, I remain confused as to how you relax. I don't, I don't, I like don't really, but like, I'm not really putting pressure on myself to do that. Like, I know you don't know. You don't yeah. have to. That just sounds, I get it. Um, mm. I also consume a lot of, uh, upsetting media, <laughs> but did you listen um, to the Steve Bannon interview on Red Scare, Julia? I certainly did not. Unfortunately, I'm not a Patreon subscriber. Um, which Why is, not? Uh, I know, <laughs> um, I am, uh, you know, one day I'll get there. Uh, no, I, uh, one thing that like brought me genuine joy that I did not know that I could experience again was oh hello the podcast um which i really recommend to everyone i was like three minutes in i was like scream laughing i it was it's so silly it's so perfect uh if you're it's john uh john mulaney and nick kroll uh for those uninitiated but you everybody who listens to this podcast probably knows what it is uh it's so fucking funny uh yeah Oh my god, uh Ira Glass is on it for whatever reason, which Amazing. is really really fun. Um also this was not like this was not in that vein at all, but I really um my roommate and I watched the Netflix limited series Unorthodox. Oh, uh, I've been hearing really good things. So good. We like we were only planning on watching one episode and it's only four episodes, but we watched all four of them in this in one night and it was we've been telling we both of us have been telling everybody about it. Um, but yeah, 
that's it. And uh, obviously, you know, the Bon Appetit YouTube channel, which is my my life, my life force. Let's um introduce our guest segment. Um, yeah. We have this week the amazing Lillian Devane. Um, great, she rules. great comedian, great uh, host of a, of a wonderful podcast called FOH that I really sincerely recommend to everyone. It is a podcast that I have listened to since its, its inception. I really love it. Um, and Lillian's so fucking funny and cool and smart. And you guys are going to love her. All right. We have a Patreon episode out in a couple days. Please subscribe to uh, our Patreon right now. If you are at all able, it would really help us be able to uh, cover our costs, pay our producer. Um, thank you so much. And Thank you so much. Yeah. Take care of yourselves. Hello and welcome back to Reply, guys. Uh, we are here with uh, a wonderful guest this week, our friends, Lillian Devane. Uh, Hi. Hey, uh, and you have an amazing podcast, Lillian. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, yeah. It's called FOH uh, with Kelly Sullivan, who's my co-host, and me. And um, I guess until recently, uh, it was a service industry <laughs> podcast where we talked about like issues in the industry and our own like trials and tribulations. Um, so now we're kind of figuring out what the fuck we're going to talk about. But that's that's what it's about. <laughs> In the past. It's yeah. so good. I've been uh, a longtime listener. I uh, used to work in the in the service industry in college for about five years. And I I miss it a lot. And I feel yeah. like I get uh, I get that that itch scratched by listening to your podcast because Yay. it's really it's really good. And you guys are so funny. And <laughs> Oh God! Thank you. Um, Foh stands for front of house, right? Yes, yes. Sorry, yes. Front um, of house, which is you know servers, bartenders, not the chefs, essentially, <laughs> and the, and the hosts with the most. Yes, yeah, oh, exactly. I'm so sorry, I said yeah. that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm I'm so stoked that you could join us um, yeah. this week. You know. We've been thinking and talking a lot about the service industry on our podcast because it's truly one of the jobs that, you know, folks cannot do from home. Um, so the entire service industry seems like it's been pretty much uh, obliterated, at least for the <laughs> short term. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How are people managing that? Um. Yeah, it's obviously the craziest thing in the world because uh, I think part of the reason why a lot of people, there's many reasons to work in the service industry. One of them is that you're kind of always guaranteed a job, you know, yeah. in the past, because it's like one of those things like it's like being a nurse, like you can go anywhere and be a nurse. Same thing for the service industry. I'm like, whatever happens, I'll be able to like, if I find myself stuck in Iowa, God forbid, <laughs> I can be a bartender, you know? Um, and so this is the first time ever, I think, that that's just like gone, you know? And it's just something you can't, like you said, you can't work from home. You can't replace that. So it's just like a very bizarre situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. I... <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's really a lot to digest because you're just like it's it's not my identity, really. But I'm obviously like what we all do for work is like a huge part of our life. And it's just like I don't know when those jobs are going to be back. I mean, I don't think it's going to be this year, really. Yeah, I, I, I go <laughs> back and forth between like thinking, OK, you know, they're going to figure out like some kind of like testing and like have restaurants open at limited capacity and see people far apart, far apart. But like, you know, it also seems like, you know, it really could be this year, uh, later this year, maybe next year. I don't know. Like just the uncertainty aspect feels so hard. Yeah. And it's also like when, when this first started and in New York, they had that 50% capacity yeah. mandate, no, like very few places were following that because it's like because the margins are so slim for restaurants, like everyone knows that. And one weekend can make or break you. So they're like, we're going to pack it in. We don't know when we're going to get people in. So places were still packed while this was like starting off. It was it sucked. It was yeah. really shitty. <laughs> yeah. You said the uh, the fr I, on your 
on your show, you said that the Friday night before everything really like went to hell. And even though the 50% mandate was in effect, you said that your restaurant was like packed to the gills. Yeah, it's this thing. It was it sucked. It was so busy and packed and I was freaking out. And my, you know, because we're the hospitality industry, you know, my boss is like, we're never going to turn anyone away. Like, this is the place where people come for comfort. This is the place where people need to be you know, comfort in this time. And it's just like, so we have to be the ones like, like now the grocery store workers and all those people, like they have to put their very lives on the line for like someone eating a fucking pork shoulder. It's so dumb. It's insane. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I saw that, uh, some uh, grocery store employees have died. Uh, someone from Trader Joe's died and then they closed that store for like two days to give people time to (laughs) grieve. But Trader Joe's until, uh, very recently, maybe in the past couple days, uh, was not allowing workers to use PPE at work, um, let alone not providing it. They were telling people that they could not wear masks. Um, and you know, it's, I don't know. You just really see kind of capitalism at its most oh, yeah. heartless. Also, the C- well, yeah, the CEO no, of Trader no, no, Joe's, um, the CEO of Trader Joe's just came out with like a kind of like an anti-union letter. Classic, classic. <laughs> um, and you know, we think of Trader Joe's as being like of all the grocery chains. It's probably like I've I've had a ton of friends who have worked there. Mm-hmm. All of them have great things to say about it, but. Um, I think of it as being kind of like one of the better places uh, to work in terms of like a big chain corporation like that. But totally. Um, boy, is the need for unions more yeah, I know. robust than it's, ever. It's just obviously so fucked up to have your uh, the way you make money tied to your health in this way. That's like mm-hmm. you just have to choose. And that's just like so demented and like wrong of yeah. like. I either can like risk getting sick and get my loved ones sick or I cannot make money. It's just like, it's insane. It's so stupid. I hate it. I keep thinking about this meme that's uh, going around Twitter where people are like, you don't have to be productive during the quarantine. Mm. And it's like, no, you don't have to be productive during the quarantine. <laughs> there are so many people. <laughs> there are so many people that have to risk their lives every day. Uh, no, yeah. totally. I know. Hey, um. This is sorry for being myself right now, but I was watching 60, 60 minutes last night. Mm-hmm. And Love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they did. Uh, so the like the opening segment was about partic- in particular um, the hit that uh, that the coronavirus has has blown to the service industry. And in New York City alone, the statistic that they read off is that there are twenty seven thousand restaurants in New York City alone. 660,000 in America, like 12 million people in this country are servers. Um, And obviously um, in New York state alone, um, I think it's something like half a million people have already filed over half a million people have already Mm -hmm. filed for unemployment, Mm -hmm. but the unemployment site uh, keeps crashing. Uh, Mm -hmm. People have to stay on hold for you know, people are calling like 50 times a day or something like that. Yeah, it's like, I mean, like, like always, like it's always been those fucking bureaucratic websites just make it so fucking hard for you to get help. Uh, food stamps is a nightmare, too, which is like a fucking crime. Um, but yeah, nobody I haven't seen any money. I filed March 18th, I think. I haven't gotten unemployment yet. Like, it's crazy. It's just it's unprecedented, obviously. And um, when you do get unemployment, assuming it works out, uh, how will your tips be factored in to the amount that you make? Is it just based on your wage or is it also including tips? Well, it depends. Like my I we mostly claim like because we don't get cash tips anymore, like where I work, basically. So everything's accounted for. So, I mean, I'm getting the maximum I, I get. I, I can get, um, which is a joke, but it's $500 a week. So, yeah. um, <laughs> like living in New York city is, I mean, I'm thankful that I'm getting that, but luckily I'm very lucky that I, that that's in my case accounted for. I mean, what I really worry about are like the undocumented workers who 
aren't eligible for any of those programs, which who are a huge, yeah. huge problem. I mean, if you've ever worked in a restaurant, yeah, almost, I think make up, they made up the majority of certainly the, uh, the back of the house yeah. in every restaurant I've, I've ever worked at. Yeah, totally. So that's an <laughs> issue that I think people are dealing with. I'm dealing with it at my, uh, old job, uh, by we're doing like a GoFundMe, which a lot of restaurants are doing. Um, and then just like somehow getting the money to them. Um, is like kind of the only recourse. I, I don't know what else to do for them. It's really scary, you know? Yeah. Is this funny? Am I like the best guest you guys have ever had? I'm just like, so it's a nightmare. Um, everything's like really scary. People are going to die. So, um, yeah, I woke anyways. up this morning and, uh, I was feeling really bummed out about things and I thought to myself, well, at least I'm not dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So and it's that's, like when you get to the point where you're like, at least I'm not dead is your cheerful thought. Then it's not a good time. It's so crazy. I mean, like I, I'm not, uh, I feel like I have like the best possible quarantine experience. Like I, I'm not stuck with shitty roommates. I like unemployment's coming to me, but you know, it's still, uh, kind of wacky. I feel like I'm in a mental hospital. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's but, nothing wrong you know, with that. There's nothing wrong with being in a mental hospital. I am myself mental. So um, for sure, we've that's all the we, politically you know. correct term for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mental. It's mental. That's what it. That's what you say. Um, but, or yeah. or you know, insane in the membrane. Yeah, it's totally. another favorite Cypress Hill classic. <laughs> uh, applies to my life every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. It's a. Uh, <laughs> it's it's definitely. Uh, it's, I just, I think the uncertainty is one of the most unsettling parts of everything. Um, I mean, obviously, aside from the illness and death that people are experiencing, that's for sure the worst. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know. Certainly no discounting the death. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, just trying to keep it light here on our Mm -hmm, comedy mm -hmm, podcast. Um, but, uh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, um, the Trump administration, you know, is saying like April 30th or, you know, like they've alluded to June and it definitely seems like scientists think that this is going to go on much longer than that. Um, I, I, I think I can get a little bit into the doomer mindset and I'm like, okay, not only will coronavirus never be over, but, uh, also after this, uh, the virus will mutate and oh my God, uh, the vaccine, if we are able to develop one, won't work anymore. And then there'll be another pandemic caused by climate change. I'm trying to just take it day by day so that I don't <laughs> become a full doomer. I feel like I read that exact same, those three threads or whatever on Twitter. And yeah, it makes you, it's not good. It's not good for you. It's good to be like, you know, a realist. But in these times, I just, yeah, you have to log off when it comes to that stuff. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah, I I think it's, uh, it's particularly difficult to feel optimistic. And I am like, I, I didn't think of myself as being optimistic i think until (laughs) until this uh this whole thing started but um basically what i've been reading what's coming out of germany is like germany has had kind of like on on an international scale they've had like besides china maybe the most robust response they're Mm -hmm. testing like hundreds of thousands of people a day they're also getting people on ventilators very early Mm -hmm. which are both like I don't want to say luxuries, but they're certainly something that uh, our country is not fucking doing. Yeah. Um, and so I, the reason why I'm, it's difficult to be optimistic. Like when I say something like that, that makes me optimistic. But uh, no one in our government is uh, doing that, and that's why yeah. we've had to kind of look to our governors so much across the state because the federal government is doing fuck all. I know. Yeah, I mean, I keep hearing all this stuff like, oh, you know, with like testing and contact tracing, uh, you know, we might be able to return to some kind of normalcy, but it doesn't seem like they're trying to do that. Very yeah, hard. yeah. It doesn't seem yeah, like there's really I mean. a plan right now. I feel like it's, I, I don't know, like, I feel like uh, the 
they keep being like, oh, yeah, there is a plan, you know, but that's like I, I've pretended to do a lot of shit, too, in my life. So I know <laughs> that tone. Yeah, I definitely uh, did this. I will. Uh, I'll show mm-hmm. you that draft tomorrow. Um, not procrastinating. I uh, just want to go over it one more time to make sure that it, it's really <laughs> as good as I want it to be. Um, but uh, I know. Yeah, it's so it's it's the worst is that everyone just has like a hard on for Cuomo for some oh, reason. Now. Oh, my God. Like, Come on. We've, we've been we've been treading this ground a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. because you guys know it sucks. And it is like basically it's like if. Yeah, I guess if your introduction to Andrew Cuomo is only this crisis. Yeah, maybe I can say that. If you didn't know who he was before, like every I don't know. everyone it's needs so to gross. work out their fucking like mommy and daddy issues. Like, get it? Like, why? You just get through it, okay? And then come back to the table because I don't want to hear it. It's disgusting. Yeah. Put yeah, your daddy- ashamed of yourself. Yeah, no, the, the <laughs> horny for Cuomo thing and the the also the backlash to the horny for Cuomo thing has been one of the most uh, annoying strands of internet discourse that I have seen recently and not the, the most inter- annoying but yeah up there no the internet is so fucking bad right now it's so bad because it's, it's the, because it's the only place that we can go yeah it's <laughs> yeah. awful it's awful yeah it's um yeah i remember seeing uh yesterday a bunch of comics you know going through the motions of um you know, should Louis C.K. be canceled permanently? And it honestly made me feel so good to see that because I'm like, I can't yeah. believe that somebody thinks that we're not all canceled permanently. <laughs> <laughs> that comedy actually is over, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. this comic I know uh, was yeah was just tweeting like, anybody who opens for Louis C.K. sucks. And I was just like, oh my God, the idea that I might get to open for someone again, not Louis C.K., yeah. but just like someone no. that feels so far away um so let's talk a little bit more about the service industry um you know what's your kind of a general sense of um like politics in the service industry do you have a lot of leftists in there um yeah Eh, it's tough i mean obviously it's a very very diverse industry there's so many people from from fucking every possible corner of of the earth but um you know it still has those hierarchies you know of like most owners and bosses and chefs and chef owners are fucking terrible like they're <laughs> awful obviously um Not you all have chefs. to be no all chefs <laughs> hashtag yes all chefs yes chef and yes all chefs yes um, chef <laughs> Uh, somebody went, I was ripping on back of house one time and someone was like, what about cross house solidarity? I was like, no, I, I don't have that. Um, <laughs> not for chef bros because they're by and large terrible. Um, but, uh, politically, I mean, I think like everywhere in the past five years, everyone's gotten more political. Yeah. Um, and I think especially because we are so up close to, like like undocumented people and all of those like so many huge issues for everyone for politics for our country are right there in restaurants and that's what makes them so interesting so we're in contact with with a lot of those things every single day you know um but yeah i think most i mean most people are like artists and whatever the fuck so they're gonna be you know pinkos you know (laughs) um <laughs> we love we love that yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah i i've always i mean the service industry it again it's so huge it's the enormity of it is kind of hard to overstate so i always found that it it really is people from like all walks of life i've ne- like yeah i i had never worked at a place where there was like an average age there was like a median or like i i, I don't know it's like there are so many people who they're it's just like anywhere it's like the politics i feel like the politics are all over the place yeah i mean i think what is helpful is that there's definitely there's so much like intense bonding in the service industry mm-hmm. um i did and some of my top fucking while working in the t- service industry yeah, it was intense bonding yeah it gets you there fast also You're, cocaine yeah yeah 
There's drugs, there's booze, it's low lighting, there's, like, good music. Like, you're already on, like, date five when you work with someone for three hours. That's so, true. Um, but I think there's, like, an us versus them thing as far as, like, the guests are concerned. At least I make it that way. Because, um, <laughs> like, a lot of them, um, especially places where I work, are, like, pretty wealthy. So that can be definitely, like, I'm like, fuck these. Like, they're, all, like, rich people are rude and rich people are bad. And we see that. that's my bread and butter unfortunately but yeah so that's definitely i think class is something that we really 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 see on a very intimate level i can imagine man it's just this whole pandemic is just exposing the class divide in Mm -hmm. a way that uh you know is just it's so laid bare you know yeah no completely it's it's really scary to watch crumble but it's not like surprising you know yeah and now you have so many of these like so many rich new yorkers who have second homes Mm -hmm. um upstate a lot of the time now they're kind of like overwhelming the resources (laughs) of these uh small towns and you see that in cape cod as well yeah um and i don't know upstate very well but i know that cape cod has like two community hospitals and they're very small. Yep. And like my grandmother used to be a year round resident. Like I it's if if people start going there and like spreading the virus, it's everybody's fucked. Yeah. I mean, they're overwhelming those rural communities is just like it's so on the nose. Everything that's happening. You're like, I just can't believe that this is it's I can't believe this is real life. <laughs> and the, just and like, the, the median age for definitely for Cape Cod, like for year round residents. And I'm assuming for upstate as well is older. It's people who are like the most susceptible to kind of really seriously being harmed by. And, and poverty, because as we know, that's like one of the main factors for whether or not you're going to fucking die of this is your socioeconomic status. So like all of those tourist towns and all that stuff. Yeah. They're like the, the year round residents are not usually not, you know, Mm-hmm. Not the wealthy ones, but although, yeah, I mean, I think those people that are leaving New York to go to like second homes are total douches. But like, I've known a lot of people who had to leave New York because they just absolutely could not afford to stay here anymore. Sure. And they had to go back home. You oh, know, totally. With their parents yeah. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know you're not against those people, but it's just like I've just seen like a few friends like they they went home because they couldn't afford to be here anymore. And then everyone like screamed at them, which like I get, you know, because like we don't want to spread the virus or whatever. But it's like, I don't know, man, if you want lower income people to stay in New York, like how about some uh, universal basic income or, or something yeah. like that that actually makes it possible for people to live in this very expensive city when their jobs have been mm-hmm. completely eliminated and may yeah. not be coming back for the foreseeable future. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. For sure. It's really crazy. How are you feeling about living in New York right now? What is your experience of being in this place? Um, well, it's really, I get mostly freaked out because I like don't, I'm so worried about being abandoned kind of in general in my life. And now all my friends who work in restaurants were like, they're like, fuck it, we're going to move to like Cleveland. I'm like, no, like, I'm so scared. (laughs) I'm so scared that everyone who works in restaurants are, are going to have to leave the city. Um, I don't know, like, I think it's way too early to tell what we're all going to do because I'm like, is any place going to be better? Yeah. And it's like, who knows? But like, for now, I feel like it's the best place I can be as far as like, I'm hooked hooked on that government teat, you know, I got a lot of hospitals here. Like, I don't know. I don't know where else to go. New York, New York. (laughs) (laughs) The, the city that's on a ventilator. That's yeah. what they say now. Um, if you can make it here, yeah. chances are you, you are uh, of a yeah. pretty high socioeconomic status. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, if you can make it here, you are the coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Start spreading the virus. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's it's going to be wild. I also think this is not super related, but it's interesting um, not to be like, I'm an artist, but we're all in comedy and, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. comedy adjacent, whatever. 
Um, and it is interesting because I feel like for the first time in my probably whole life, I'm able to like live semi the lifestyle that I feel that like rich artists can live. And that's been really cool. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, I guess like I wake up and I like do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like the the way that I feel like capitalism silences cr- some creative voices by far not the worst thing it does. But it's interesting, right? Like what people could do if they don't have to fucking bust dishes. Yeah. 50 I, hours a week. I think about that all the time. And it's really, it's, uh, it's really overwhelming sometimes when you go through like a mental Rolodex of everyone who is like a famous artist, whether like actor in how many of them either come from intergenerational wealth or come from like famous parents who are also rich it's really something i think about a lot hey me (laughs) too and it's getting laid bare too because it's like you know you see people's uh insta of the corona uh lodging that they have and i was like oh (laughs) you're in a mansion i knew that you were a trust funder i knew it yeah yeah it's like 10 times worse than christmas like photos on instagram where you see everyone's like real roots you know I mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. comedy is definitely like I mean comedy is one of those things that is uh in has a, a an inextricable relationship with the service industry. Like mm-hmm. that's one thing that I've realized during this time is that like you know we really are all in it together. Comedy is not coming back until the service <laughs> industry comes back. If bars and restaurants aren't open, comedy clubs that's aren't true. open, we're not doing stand up anywhere, you know. Yeah. So it's like uh yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if we ever do get the opportunity to do stand-up again, uh, when I make that tip your bar and wait staff announcement, it will have a little bit of extra heart in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's going to it's gonna be a wild ride. I don't know. It's, it's going to be so overwhelming when we're released into the world from quarantine. I don't know what's going to happen. Have you thought about, like, um, or have you heard friends talking about, you know, how kind of smaller, more uh, independent restaurants m- may be able to reopen? Um, have there been uh, ideas that people have had about that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of places are doing because in New York, you can do, as we know, probably uh, takeout and pickup. So a lot of places are keeping kitchens open and employing some people that way um, and doing delivery and takeout orders. Even small places, um, like places that have never done delivery or takeout before. Um, And then a lot of places are actually like wine is actually going through a huge boom right now because um, a lot of places are like, I mean, one of the reasons is because a lot of places are selling their stock and it's something that we, I mean, I need right now pretty badly. (laughs) So, um, so like selling because New York uh, modified all of its dumb laws for this and was like, we can do delivery booze now and booze and wine. So that's huge. Like people don't, you can't really go to a wine store, but you can get like, I got six bottles and I went and picked them up, you know? Um, which is like, which is some ways. And then a lot of people are doing GoFundMes, like individual restaurants, like chances are whatever your favorite restaurant is. If it's like a small restaurant in New York has a GoFundMe or has like, you can order products from their website now they're just kind of changing everything. Um, but the GoFundMes are for like staff usually because like I said, there's a lot of people that just don't have any way to get money right now. So uh, I was wondering what you think about the ethics of ordering uh, delivery or takeout from restaurants right now. Um, is it something that people should do if they are in a position to be able to afford to do so? Or is that, um, you know, kind of unethically putting people's health at risk. I'm not really sure. I haven't been yeah. doing it, but it's one of those things that's so tough because it's the same thing. It's like grocery store workers have to also do that. We have to get groceries. Like it's a little bit different, but um I think with takeout and delivery, I think it is fine to do as long as like you said, like you tip generously. Um and I would tip cash not through uh, seamless or whatever you use, I would just give them probably cash, I guess, or a lot on the app. Um, 
Because, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, you don't want to put people, like, there are people that are, like, fucking on those mopeds, like, busting their asses and, and seeing a bunch of people a day and exposing themselves to whatever. Um, but do you want the business to fail and then they don't have a job? It's really tricky. I don't think that there's, like, a right answer. I would say it's probably a good idea to get to get delivery and takeout, though. I, th- I think it... I would agree with that. And also, um, I've heard some doctors and scientists talking about this question specifically and apparently and especially if you're like microwaving the food afterwards for like 15 seconds it kills Mm. like it could kill any sort of uh harmful uh exposure that might be there but it's like the virus is not passing through food uh that has been shown time and again also helen rosner at the new yorker just wrote an article i think titled the ethics of ordering takeout right now or something like Mm. that that i Mm -hmm. did not read i absolutely (laughs) did not read but i meant to in preparation for talking to you about this just know (laughs) that know that the intention was there yes i love that yes like a true former catholic just uh intending to be ethical at a later date (laughs) absolutely you know we gotta we gotta do what we can uh do you do you ever read any of her stuff helen rosner Mm, she has like no i don't think so if does she she writes about like she's like the food and wine yeah person at the new yorker yeah she's not my favorite she's not my favorite so I don't read. I just see her on Twitter and I'm like, not for me. Yeah, um, she, you know what? I, I, I was, go, again, I was going to read this piece that she wrote because it, it seemed very, obviously it's very timely. Um, but one time I heard her on a podcast and she said that like when she gets her hair done, she has a, uh, a note in there to have them not talk to her, have like the people who work there not so talk. asshole. And oh, I was boy. like, and she was like defending it, just being like, I just don't, I don't like to be disturbed. And I was like, mm, no, that's a note. No. That's, uh, I mean, it's like worse comes to worse. You could just be like, oh, you know, like I'm really tired. Uh, I'm, you know, I kind of want to rest a little bit. Thank you so much for cutting my hair or something like you. Don't sure, be a, a fucking person. Note. Be yeah. human being. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's like when people I have ha- I've been handed a card that has a drink order printed on it before too. Like here's my martini no, order. No. It's so funny. It's yeah. so funny. Well, at um, least those people are quarantined too. It's true. Now <laughs> yeah. I can't make them anything. Um, yeah. I will say that just real quick, a couple of ways if people do want to help out. Um, my friend Kelly and her other Irish coworkers. I'm calling it the Irish nonprofit, but it's actually called the <laughs> Service Workers Coalition. Um, it's a mutual aid fund that um, people can donate to, like five, ten bucks, whatever, and they basically reimburse people for groceries um, or deliver groceries. So great uh, to service workers in need. Um, and my friend Nate, who owns Gertie, is doing what I like to get again. I call a soup kitchen, but is just handing out supplies and meals uh, like Tuesday through Sunday or something like that. Thursday, whatever. You can look it up on Gertie's website. But um, so there are like a lot of things that people are doing to help each other out. If you want to Venmo your favorite bartender or server, like we just need money, unfortunately. (laughs) So it's like if you do want to help us out, I feel like that's really the best way to do it, you know, or donate to a mutual aid fund. Um, We'll put the uh, link in the show notes. Cool. And for folks who want to check out your podcast or follow you online, how can they do that? Um. You can find me on Instagram where I do most of my good work um, at Lil DePain. And then I'm Lillian Devane on Twitter. My podcast, if you just look up FOH podcast on any social media, I'm sure will pop up. Um, and yeah, if you want to listen to us slowly losing our minds via another podcast, you can yeah. check that out. Yeah. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Would recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Lillian. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's thank been a guys. real pleasure talking to you. And, you know, hope we all see the other side of this at some yeah. point. See you guys on the other side. Fingers crossed. Okay. I'm, I'm going to come to your to your bar when, when all this is over and get absolutely fucking trashed. Don't yeah, put your I drink won't. order on a card. Yeah, don't do that. I won't be working sober for a very long time after this, so it'll be, it'll be fun. Yeah. But have you before? I mean, to be honest. 
I'm yeah. a professional. I'm a professional. Okay. I'm yeah. a professional. I mean, that is what we all say, but I feel like no one in comedy works sober until they've already had a problem and then are sure. in recovery. So Yeah, that's when your career is taking off. Yeah. You, know, you become sober. Um, um, anyways. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lillian. Uh, we'll talk yeah. to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land.